Would you turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Exodus, second book in the Bible, and the second chapter in the second book of the Bible, Exodus chapter 2. Invite you to read along with us. We're studying the life of Moses here on Sunday mornings. Lord, I ask your blessing upon this time in your word. I pray that you would speak so clearly, unmistakably clearly. Lord, that we'd be encouraged by the example of Moses. Pray you'd bless this time, that it would be fruitful in our lives, that it would change us. We do surrender. We surrender to you, Lord. Speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Generally speaking, our lives are the products of the choices that we make. And we are making choices all the time. And there are different levels of choices. There are trivial choices You know, matters of personal taste. Do you want green enchiladas or red enchiladas? (laughs) There are other choices that are more consistent that can have an impact long term, like whether you choose to exercise regularly, have a good diet, choose the people that you hang out with. Then there are bigger choices. College or no college, what career. And then one of the biggest choices in life is who you're going to date who you're going to marry. And then there are those monumental times in life where you make a choice that radically alters the entire direction of your life. We come to a moment like that in the life of Moses as we continue his story. What it says in verse 11 of Exodus chapter 2, It says, now it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown. Now that's skipping over a lot of time in the life of Moses. Many years have passed since the circumstances of his birth as we studied last week. You remember he was born in Egypt to Hebrew slaves. His mom's name was Jochebed. His dad's name Amram. Moses was born into horrific conditions. The Pharaoh was trying to kill the Hebrews through slave labor. He had issued an edict that all male infants were to be killed. Moses could have been dead on arrival. He could have been thrown into the Nile River, but his parents hid him for three months. And then you remember they came up with that strategic plan where they put baby Moses in that basket and they placed him on the Nile River right where they knew the daughter of Pharaoh bathed regularly. She comes, she sees the baby, she falls in love with the baby, she decides to keep the baby as her own. And by wonderful turns of events, Jochebed, Moses' mom, is paid to be the nanny. Great story. That's where we left off last time together. Here in verse 11, Moses is now grown up. In fact, he's 40 years old. 
And at this point in his life, he's in the prime of his life. And consider this. For 40 years, he's been living in the royal courts of Egypt. He has the whole world at his fingertips. He was a legal member of Pharaoh's family. He was called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. That's like being a duke, a prince. All his life, he was groomed for a position of leadership within Egypt. At the age of 40, he would already have a high-ranking position. Some believe that he may have even been in the running to become the next pharaoh. An ancient pharaoh was an absolute monarch, the supreme commander of the armies, chief justice of the royal court, and high priest of all religion. He's in a very powerful position. The book of Acts, chapter 7, tells us that Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was mighty in words and deeds. Think of the education that Moses had growing up, the best education possible at that time. He knew the hieroglyphics, the architecture, think the pyramids, the mathematics, all of the religious system of the Egyptian pharaoh, and all of that he had it. He had been groomed for leadership. He had become a stand-apart leader. He would become mighty in words. He was a brilliant orator, mighty in deed. He proved himself on the battlefield. Moses was rich, as wealthy as you could possibly be, living in the royal palace. And we also know from other places in the scripture that Moses was an extremely handsome man. Physically beautiful to look at. This guy had the full package. Everything at his disposal. He also would have had access to all the pleasures of Egypt. All the pleasures of this world. The food, the drink, the money, the resources, the wealth, all the women probably throwing themselves at Moses' feet. He had it all at 40, and there was so much more he could have. That's where Moses was. But something happened to Moses at age 40. Verse 11 Now it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out to his brethren and looked at their burdens. Moses went out to his brethren, his Hebrew family. And that's a big deal. The Hebrews were slaves. They lived in the slums. They lived in slave villages. They lived as far away as you could get from the royal palace of Egypt. The princes, the nobility, the royalty, they didn't go near the slums. Moses probably never visited that place ever. But at 40, he went out to them. And it says in verse 11, he went out to his brethren and looked at their burdens. That is, 
He investigated them. He became sympathetic. He became compassionate. He came extra identified and worried about the Hebrews. Now, we don't know why that happened. We don't know the full story. Jochebed was his nanny for maybe five years max. How much do you remember when, when you're five and up? She no doubt told him about his Hebrew heritage and faith in God. But after living 35 years in the palace, how do you remember that? How much interaction did Moses have with his family? Is it possible that maybe his older brother Aaron or Miriam, his older sister, got word to the palace? Some suggest that maybe his mom or dad was old and was about to die. And word got to Moses and he went and investigated. Or perhaps he heard the whispers in the palace. He was a secret scandal, you know. Perhaps someone said, this guy's not full-blooded. Egyptian, he's one of the Hebrews. Whatever the case, Moses went out. Perhaps he heard the Lord. Perhaps God called him. Perhaps he had a dream. At the age of 40, he went out. And at that crucial moment in his life, he made a decision. He made a decision to join the Hebrew people. He made a decision to follow the God of his brethren. Hebrews chapter 11 gives us the details of this choice that he made. This is an incredible decision that Moses made. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. At that moment in his life, he chose to refuse to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He refused to be the prince. He refused to be a royal official. He refused to be associated with the Egyptian people. Moses chose to refuse the passing pleasures of sin. All that he had available in the world. He chose to refuse it. By the way, I love how honest the Bible is. You know the Bible teaches that sin is pleasurable. Sin is fun. Sin can feel really, really good. That's why it's so tempting. But the pleasure of sin is passing. It's just for a season. Satan will tempt us with all these sins and say, oh, it's going to be so pleasurable. But sin loses its pleasure and sin can absolutely destroy your life. Ask the alcoholic or the drug addict that lost their marriage, their family, their business, their health, their reputation. Oh, but that first buzz felt so good. 
Sin is fun, but it's passing. Moses chose to refuse all of that. Moses chose to refuse the treasures in Egypt. All the education, all the toys, all the money, all the resources, everything. He made a decision. I'm turning away from all of that. And what did he choose to embrace instead? He chose the people of God. He chose to identify with God's people. And not just to identify with them, but to suffer. To suffer with them. To join their torment To join the mistreatment. He chose the poverty of his people over the treasures of Egypt. He chose to leave the palace with all the royals and join the slums with all the Hebrew slaves. Think of it. What else did he choose? He chose the reproach of Christ. He chose the suffering of persecution that comes with following God. He chose dishonor. He chose defamation. He chose the ridicule that comes with following God. Think of this. He chose a difficult life filled with suffering over a privileged life filled with worldly riches. Incredible thing he chose. And listen carefully. It cost him. Very noble thing to choose the Lord and to follow him and to say, I'm going to suffer. But you know what? He suffered. The consequences of that choice would bring pain, suffering, and trials to his life in many ways for the rest of his life. And the suffering began right away. Again, in verse 11. Now it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out to his brethren and looked at their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. So he looked this way and that way, and when he saw no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. So Moses is visiting. He sees this horrific thing. I imagine it was something absolutely horrific. An elderly Hebrew man being whipped mercilessly by an Egyptian taskmaster. His heart's filled with rage. He looks this way. He looks that way. Now, whenever you do that, whenever you look this way and then that way, you're up to no good. You know that, right? (laughs) Out of pure rage and passion and unbridled zeal, He murdered that taskmaster. Hid his body in the sand, thinking that he got away with it. Verse 13, when he went out the second day, behold, two Hebrew men were fighting. And he said to one who did the wrong, why are you striking your companion? Then he said, one of those Hebrews... Who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? 
So Moses feared and said, surely this thing is known. So second day he goes and, you know, he's trying to be their leader now. He's trying to be their deliverer, finds two of them fighting, tries to break up one of their fights. Stop doing this. One of them says, you're going to kill us like you did the Egyptian guy the other day? Moses thought he had done that in secret. No, it was out. Verse 15, when Pharaoh heard of this matter, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian. Now, I think Moses was under watch. I think everyone in the courts was noticing his trips and how he was becoming more and more infatuated with the Hebrew people. And it was a growing scandal. And finally now, he's become an Egyptian murderer. Grandpa Pharaoh. Can't let that happen. He seeks to kill Moses. Moses flees. He fled to the land of Midian. That's 200 miles away, across the Gulf of Suez and the Gulf of Aqaba, into modern-day Saudi Arabia, desolate, desert, wilderness, wasteland. And that's where Moses will spend the next 40 years of his life. In absolute obscurity, working as a hired shepherd of sheep. For 400 years or 40 years in the desert place. Oh, he suffered. Now, this first part of his suffering was certainly his responsibility. It was not God's will for Moses to go murder an Egyptian taskmaster. That's what Moses did. Moses had made this decision that he's going to follow the Lord, but his execution of that wasn't very good. Moses probably thought, I'm called to be the deliverer. I'm called to help my people. I'm going to use all my training, all my military training, all my wisdom, all my connections. I'm going to do the Egyptian royalty thing. I'm Moses. I can do this. How wrong he was. Moses had pride in his life. Moses had to be humbled. He had 40 years worth of pampered pride to get rid of. And you know, it took God 40 years to humble that man. Moses had a lot of degrees, but he was lacking the most important degree, the BSD degree, backside of the desert degree. Where God takes you out and humbles you. Dwight L. Moody summed up the entire life of Moses this way. Moses spent 40 years thinking he was somebody. Then he spent 40 years on the backside of the desert realizing he was nobody. Finally, he spent the last 40 years of his life learning what God can do with somebody who knows that he's a nobody. Oh, you listen carefully. God humbles greatly 
the people that he uses greatly. And Moses needed that. So, after those 40 years, when we know Moses, the 80-year-old Moses, and we think of what he did, gang, the consequences of his decision to leave Egypt and to identify with the Hebrews still brought pain. He had pain and suffering. When he goes to Pharaoh, we'll study it later, there's so many ups and downs. Then he takes his people out. You remember the story. And they get to the promised land, and they don't want to go in. They're too afraid. And so the people have to wander around in the wilderness for 40 years. Now he's the leader of two million complaining people for 40 years in a wilderness. And you remember these people would say to Moses time and time and time again, why did you take us out of Egypt? It would have been so much better had we stayed in Egypt. I've often wondered how many times Moses laid down and looked up at the night sky and thought, why did I ever leave Egypt? Why did I do it? It cost him greatly. Gang, it was a difficult decision, and it cost him a lot, but it was the best decision. It was the best decision. God used Moses in one of the greatest ways you can possibly imagine in all of history. And through it all, Moses became close to God. He had a relationship with God. Exodus 33 verse 11 says, The Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Moses is one of two men in the whole Bible that's called the friend of God. Abraham, Moses. Personal friends with God. Deuteronomy 34 verse 10 But since then there has not arisen in Israel a prophet like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. Yeah, created a lot of difficulties for Moses. But look at that. Look what Moses enjoyed. And remember what it says in Hebrews. He made that decision. He chose to suffer affliction with the people of God. He esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. Look at that last phrase. For he looked to the reward. There's a much greater reward. There's a reward that comes after this life. In fact... A lot of people think, well, I'm just going to choose everything in this life and get all the rewards here. Great. Enjoy it for 70 years. Enjoy it. After your life's over, the next one. It's okay. It's better to be willing to suffer and follow God in this life for 70 years. And enjoy the reward that's coming. Moses made that monumental decision, and because of that, he lived a great life as a vessel of God, delivering the Hebrews, bearing so much. He became a friend of God, and he would enjoy an eternal reward 
heaven so much greater than anything else that this world can provide. But he had to make that choice. And he made it. Have you made that choice? I mentioned all the various choices that we make in life. Some of them trivial, some of them real big, like like a marriage choice, that's big. But let me tell you what, the biggest choice you make in life is whether or not you're going to choose to follow God. That's the biggest. That's the one that counts. That's the one that matters now and matters for all of eternity. And I would encourage you, I would exhort every single one of you here, have you made that choice? Have you made that decision? Maybe you're here this morning and the world has chewed you up and spit you out. You've been living for every pleasure you can possibly get in this world. And you know what? The pleasure's passing. It leaves you lacking and unsatisfied. Have you given your life to Jesus Christ? It starts by making a decision, by admitting that you need him by understanding that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. God sent his son to die for the sins of the world. And he rose again on the third day. And when you place your faith and trust in him in humility, asking him to be your Lord and Savior, he'll forgive you of all your sins and he'll make you a child of God in his family. But you have to make that choice. Have you received Christ? Then my brother and sister in Christ, maybe you've been a Christian for many years. Have you given everything to him? Every area of your life. Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. There must come a time in our life as Christians where we say no to the world. No. And you abandon worldly living. And you turn and you follow God no matter where he leads. There has to come that moment. Worldly Christians help no one. We need salty Christians. We need Christians who are following the Lord. And you know what? The Lord will lead you. The Lord will lead you in ways like you've never imagined, I promise you it won't be easy. There'll be all kinds of difficulties that you will face. But it'll be the best life. You know, we talk about all the pain and suffering that Christians have to go through. And, you know, there's difficulties that we all face. But what about the pain and suffering that people go through in life being worldly? How they ruin their lives. You give your life to Jesus. You give every area of your life and he'll touch it. He'll lead you. He'll bring you to the right career. The right connections. 
the right spouse, the right ministry. He'll use your life. Dr. Pierce Harris, a former pastor of the First Methodist Church of Atlanta, Georgia, after he retired, he would do his preaching in different prisons all over. He would go into these jail facilities and preach to the prisoners. One day he did that, and one of the prisoners got up and introduced him to the others with these words. Several years ago, two boys lived in a town in North Georgia. They went to the same school, played together, and attended the same Sunday school. One dropped out of Sunday school and said that it was sissy stuff. The other boy kept on going. One rejected Christ, the other accepted him. The boy who rejected Christ is making this introduction today. The boy who accepted Christ is the honored preacher who will speak to us today. Listen, there are long-term consequences to choice. I'd rather suffer with the people of God than suffer in the world. Have you made that choice? And then don't forget the importance of humility in God's people. Oh, how humble we must be. You know, Moses is interesting. He made the right decision, but then he went out and he did it in his own strength. Listen, if you're going to follow God, you need to be humbled. And it really did work on Moses. Numbers chapter 12, verse 3 says, Now the man Moses was very humble, more than all men who were on the face of of the earth at that time, 40 years of wilderness, God will humble. Let him humble you. No matter what God does in your life, no matter where he places you, no matter all the great things that might happen through your life, you always stay humble. You point to God. You know, A word of advice. Some Christians are very zealous when they become Christians. Maybe you're a new convert here and you're excited about the Lord and that's awesome. But a lot of times young Christians can be overzealous like I was. When I came to the Lord halfway through my college career when I returned to him, the Lord's hand was upon me so strong. God used me in so many ways. It was so exciting. But you know what? After a little while, I got a little high on myself. I began to think, man, God got a pretty good deal with Terry. No, that's terrible, isn't it? In my pride and my arrogance, I began to look down on the commitment that other Christians had to Jesus. Sort of evaluate. And I began to sort of think that I had all the theological answers. And I beat up people. Now some of that I would attribute to what I call young man's disease. You know what young man's disease is? A lot of young men in their 20s think they know Everything. 
I've met 20-year-olds who know everything about Christian marriage and they've never been married. And they just think they have all of the theological, you know, stuff in and they run around and strut. Listen, God will humble you, buddy. God humbled me. God humbled me. God has his ways. Don't let it take him 40 years with you. Choose God. And choose to live your whole life giving him the glory. Not taking one ounce for yourself. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me? Close your eyes. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the amazing uh, example of Moses. Thank you for how honest it is that we can make these big choices and it can cost us, though. Thanks for being up front, Lord. Though it may require more difficulty and more suffering in life, I pray that we'd choose you. Choose your plan for our lives. Perhaps this morning is a monumental moment for you. It's time for you to make a choice that will change your life forever. Sunday, June 25th, 2023. This moment, this day, right now. God's brought you here. Have you received Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you asked him into your life? Have you acknowledged your sin, confessed it? Humbled yourself before and asked him to save you. If you haven't, do so right now. Make that decision right now. Lord Jesus, right now in your quietness of your heart, pray, Lord Jesus, I place my faith and trust in you. Forgive me of all my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. If you're here this morning as a Christian, who's been a Christian for many years, but you haven't done much surrendering, You've held on to a lot of things in life real tight. I would ask you to surrender. Surrender your whole life to him. Present your body to him as a living sacrifice. Give him everything. He'll receive you back. He'll restore you. He'll use your life in a wonderful way. If that's you, you just cry out to God. Lord, I surrender to you. 
coming back to you. I want you to be number one in every area of my life. Lord, I'm going to trust you with every area of my life. Trusting your plan. I give that all to you. I Take it all. Let's stand together. I want to close with a song.